Stories of new hunters aren't often told, but I'm here to tell you mine. This is a hunter's journey. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to another episode of A Hunter's Journey. I'm your host, Will, and this week I figure we would talk about optics. Um, so you just bought a new hunting rifle, and now you need a scope to go on it. So I figured we'd, we'd talk about binoculars, rangefinders, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, um, and I'm even going to throw trail cameras in this one because we haven't talked about those yet. Um, so... Yeah, so to get to get started right off, I'm just going to go down the list of everything that I have. So, um, I know you'd probably call it brand loyalty, but, um, like, you know, some people are really brand loyal to, to Leupold or to Vortex or to Swarovski, you know, like, just depending on what you grew up with, who you're around, um, and... So what I, 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 I chose the optics that I chose based off of my own personal research, um, you know, what my budget looked like at the time and still now and, um, you know, warranties and stuff like that. So I, I have all Vortex stuff. I do. I do have all Vortex stuff. Um, I don't think you could beat their uh lifetime unconditional warranty for anything like even if you're sacrificing a little bit of 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 glass quality for that um excellent that just unheard of warranty i mean we you, you can't you can't sacrifice um there's you know there's no high like i don't i just got tongue-tied um you can't uh, make that up anywhere else. So, uh, for those of you uh, that don't know what the Vortex warranty is, it's if if you you drop your binos and the glass inside breaks, or you you know you accidentally run them over your, with your truck, or leave them on top of your truck, or something like that, they fly off. Any sort of damage that happens to your binos, your scope, or your spot, your spotting scope, or your rangefinder. Um, like you can send it back to vortex for free um or you'll send it back to vortex you'll get in contact with vortex send it back to them they'll try and fix it if they can fix it they'll fix it and send it back to you for free um if they can't fix it they'll completely completely replace it for you for free um now you know luckily knock on wood you know i haven't i haven't had to use their warranty quite yet um and i hope i never do uh, but it's nice to know that it's there if I were to need it. So, um, to start, I'm just going to grab my bino harness. Um, I guess, I know I went over, like, all the gear and everything I have already, but I'll go over my bino harness and my, uh, um, so I have, uh, it's a company called FHF Gear. Um, I have their bino harness for my, my Vortex Diamondback uh, binoculars and I know I know I know I went over all my my scope and my my spotting scope and my um, binoculars and everything but I'm gonna go over why I chose them the specific powers that I chose why um, so I'm gonna do all that this episode um, so I do have a FHF gear bino harness with an FHF gear um, uh, 
what's it called? Rangefinder pouch. Um, awesome. Work really great. I fucking love them. Um, I would definitely recommend these to, to everyone. They're just superb quality. They're better quality than I have seen in any other bino harness company. Um, like, that's not a joke. Um, they're about, the, the harness itself is about 120 bucks, and like the little pouch for your rangefinder is about 40 I think. Um, so it's not horrible. Um, it's, if you can afford it and you can take care of these, then they're going to last for a long time. So anyway, um, so the Vortex binoculars that I have are the Vortex Diamondback HDs, 12 by 50. So for those of you that don't know the, the numbers on here, so 12 is the magnification power and 50 is the, the millimeters or the, as how big the objective lenses are in millimeters. Um, so you have, you know, your standard ones that most people are going to have are going to be 10 by 42s. Um, that's a good mid-range binocular. But I'm going to be, I am striving to be doing more glassing and more sitting and, and spot and stock application per se. Um, so I went with a binocular that was a little bigger that offered me excuse me that offered me a bigger lens a wider field of view and more magnification so they are a little heavier but they are exceptional quality for the price i think i paid like i let's see how many, i think like 230 for these um it's honestly not horrible um maybe it was like 350 or something i can't remember but I mean, looking through these is an absolute dream, and I mean, they'll they'll focus in to about uh, five yards or ten yards. Um, they will focus in very close. Um, so I mean, if you're in a tree stand or anything like that, like if you're gonna be tree stand hunting, and you're gonna be spot and stock hunting, you're gonna be glassing. Like there's no, you know, you don't have to worry about. Uh, these binoculars not being able to do both jobs um, if you're up in a tree stand and you have to look at a, a deer that you can't quite identify if it's a buck or a doe and it's like 10 15 yards away you should be able to zero in on it and um, be able to quickly get an assessment because it's just uh, they're they uh, zoom in really close um, or they you can adjust them really close um so i've i've used these i haven't used these on a hunt yet i got them after i hunted last year so this is my first year gonna be using the the uh binoculars the uh range finder and the spotting scope because i bought the binoculars and the spotting scope at the same time um as well as my hunting backpack actually um and i bought the range finder a little later so the rangefinder I have is the Vortex Impact 1000, I think. Um, I believe that's the one I got. Yeah, the Impact 1000. So that's their, they have two models of rangefinders. That's their lowest model of rangefinder. This one was about 200 bucks, I believe, or 250. The other one was about 400. Um, the only difference with the other one is the more expensive one is that it had a little bit better glass and. The reticle on here is uh, 
the one on the $400 one is red while this is black. So it's um, like in low light conditions, you really got to focus in to see, to uh, try and focus on your field, your uh, the numbers on the on the screen because it is um, they are darker but other than that um, it ranges out to a thousand yards act accurately and um, I have tried this rangefinder out on multiple different things I can get it to range up to like three yards or something like that like as close as three yards um, and so yeah, I mean, not not a whole lot to say about the rangefinder. It's rangefinder. It does its job. Uh, it works out very well. Um, it's adjustable. You can um, adjust the measure. You could can change it from yards to kilometers to you know, um, all that kind of stuff, um, or to meters or whatever. Um, it's just got a little battery in it that you have to replace every. I don't even know how long it is but it, you shouldn't have to replace it very often um, so yeah the the rangefinder pouch is really nice and the actual vortex impact 1000 rangefinder is really nice um, so the scope and the, the rangefinder are both really nice pieces of equipment um, and uh, yeah I uh, I recommend I would recommend both of them um, let's see here. Sorry, I found something in my in my uh, bino harness, a little cleaning cloth. I did not know it was there. Um, so give me a second. I'm just gonna grab my uh, my spotting scope here. So with the spotting scope, I went with the Vortex Diamondback spotting scope. Um, and funny enough. All of my optics are from their Diamondback line, just uh, because <laughs> it's kind of like the cheapest line of stuff that they have. Um, and like I said, like I did, I did uh, go a little cheaper with the with the products. With like I, I tried to get almost the cheapest ones that I could because um, I'm I'm still going to college and I'm you know I'm I'm still trying to figure stuff out and I don't have a whole lot of money. Um, but that's that's why I like Vortex is because they still give you a quality product for for the price. You know, you you in hunting with hunting gear you get what you pay for. Um, but it seems like I mean I'm not obviously I don't have a partnership or a paid partnership or anything with Vortex or anything like that. Um, I'm just like from my experience they just um, they give you the best bang for your buck, really. Um, and I I salute them for that for helping people with maybe not quite as much money uh, get in and be able to purchase these really nice pieces of equipment um, that you know not everybody uh, would get to have if they were to buy like a Leupold one or Leupold brand. Um, now I have cousins who swear by Leupold and you know I've, I've got my uncle's got a buddy who has Swarovski stuff, and it's like, yeah, if you, if you're a guide, <laughs> Swarovski's gonna be really good, but if you're just a regular, you know, hunter who doesn't hunt for more than, you know, twenty days out of the year, like I I would say that, you know, 
Vortex is the way to go. And obviously they have, you know, higher up their uh, higher up lines like their Vortex, Razor, and um, I can't remember the other one, but I know there's one more. But uh, they have, you know, they have higher up lines of, of optics that cost well over a thousand dollars. So it just like depends on what you have the money for and um, that kind of stuff. But with no matter what you buy with Vortex, you still get their their warranty and um, just a really good quality product. That's what I found anyway. Just like mess around with the spotting scope and those binoculars and my rifle scopes and I guess my rifle scope. Um, just good quality products. So I, I can't complain. Um, anyway, uh, so this, this uh, Vortex Diamondback HD spotting scope that I have is a curved spotting scope or a, I, I don't I don't know how to how to explain it because there's two different types of spotting scopes from what I found there's the ones with the curve on it where the lens kinda goes up um, and then there's there's one where the lens um, where it's just a straight it's like 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 a um, uh, ooh I can't remember but it's uh, yeah it's just straight um, and I, I really like the curved one. Um, it allows me to kind of like look down and, um, it just is way more comfortable than looking straight ahead at something. Um, especially if you're on an incline and you're sitting above your optics. Um, I think it works very well, um, for a multitude of applications. You can turn the head on it so you could turn it. 360 degrees um, depending on how you're sitting and that kind of stuff um, it is a 16 to 48 by 65 millimeters so it's got some real magnification power on this thing um, and it's a it's a pretty big objective lens in here too it's only 15 millimeters bigger than my than my binoculars but it's it's still a good size lens um, and it comes with like a little uh, protective case on it um, that covers you know it covers both the eyepiece and the, and the uh, I don't the lens piece um, I don't know I'm not too familiar with this stuff so like the terminology behind this stuff um, so forgive me if I if I uh, if I say the wrong terminology for for something but um, you could change, you could uh, unscrew the, the eyepiece and get another eyepiece that maybe gives you more magnification with the same lens application. Um, but that's pretty cool, it's interchangeable. Um, it comes with their, uh, with their mount on it. I forget what the mount is actually called. I used to know the name for it, but I, I forgot. Um, but the the mount that they use to mount everything on their tripods, um, their uh, or their Arca Swiss mount, uh, I guess is what it's called. Um, there's an Arca Swiss mount for the uh, uh, spotting scope attached right to the scope. Um, I have I do have a Vortex uh, High Country uh, tripod, really nice tripod. I highly recommend it. That also comes with their warranty too. Like everything Vortex is covered under their warranty. If it's got their name on it, it's covered under their warranty. Um, 
yeah so that tripod's really cool um, I also have an Arca Swiss plate adapter and a little stud that goes onto my binos so I can glass with my binos too instead of holding in my hand I can I can put them on the on the tripod and, and glass with the binos um, so that's really cool that's a really cool application um, and it, it's a really neat system it's a quick change system and I, I really like it um, so that's about it for my spotting scope there's not a whole lot to this stuff um, I'll get to why I chose what I did in a minute um, but there's not a whole lot really to go over just their power and magnification and kind of what they look like but um, it's all really sturdy construction I think like it's 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 good heavy quality stuff um, excuse me um, so yeah I'm I've been really happy with it so far I've been really pleased and for the last thing I got a 7mm rifle here let's see if there's better not be anything okay good nothing in the chamber um, so I got my Weatherby rifle here and on my Weatherby rifle I've said this before but I'm gonna say it again I have a vortex diamondback scope it's a 4 to 12 by 40 um, and I got this because this is what I could afford at the time and um, I got this because um, it, I was talking to the guy at Sportsman's and I'm like, you know, I'm probably not going to shoot past three or 400 yards, um, but I want a really nice scope that's not going to break the bank. And he said, okay, here's this Diamondback. And it's a 4 to 12 by 40. Um, you can adjust the, the first eyepiece then the overall magnification of it that's really nice um, the dials in here you're able to you're able to you know sight it in yourself and everything like that um, and so nothing nothing too crazy um, it's a really nice it is a uh, really nice scope it was easy to sight in it's not very heavy it's aluminum construction um, but it is a very nice scope I had to buy scoping separately for it that's okay um, I may want to remount that because they're not that's kind of shitty I might want to remount these scope rings um, have my rifle remounted after this season here because it's uh yeah anyway um but yeah just a regular vortex diamondback scope 4 to 12 by 40 gets the job done um nice and clear out to 100 yards um, i might over the summer i actually might buy a bigger scope so that i get a clearer field of view a little bit farther because um, with the 7mm rem mag that I have the that rifle round you should be able to shoot pretty far so if I get comfortable shooting farther then I'll, I'll probably get a larger scope um, and still zero it in at a hundred yards um, but um, yeah um, I might even transfer this vortex to my uh, to my muzzle loader but I don't know yet um, 
so yeah that's that's about it for for my optics so like I said at the end here I, I said I would go over why I, I chose each one and um, long story short um, it's really um, because I can afford it um, I like I said I'm still going to school I'm still in college um, I work uh, my job I get paid pretty good but I still like I still live with my grandparents you know I'm, I'm still I'm doing this from my from my bedroom um, and yeah I, so I I, uh, I don't have a, a whole lot of money because I'm still going to school and um, I'm trying to work as much as I can right now I'm working full-time so but I just started working full-time here and um, so it's uh yeah it's a uh, taken some time so what I what money I did have I, I saved up and, and bought what I could and what was gonna get the job done and you know gonna have quality for for what I what I paid um, and that's why I ultimately went with Vortex because they give you quality for what you pay for um, and yeah um, like I said, I'm not very comfortable shooting past 300 yards, so that's why I didn't immediately get a, a bigger scope. Um, but like I said, as I as I get more comfortable, I might take those 200 or you know 250 yard shots. Um, I'm gonna try and keep it around 100. I'm gonna do everything I can to keep it around 100. Um, but you know that always that doesn't always happen. I have it sighted in for 100, and I've shot out to 300 accurately. Um, so I can shoot 300 if I have to. Uh, it's not necessarily something that I want to do, <laughs> but if I have to do it, I can. Um, so, uh, but you know, that's another thing that that it's that it's about is being able to to move up to um, get better gear as you as you go on within the sport and you know as you go on in life and um, getting better gear um, so you got to start somewhere and getting good for the amount of money that you pay for it uh, my uh, my thing is is quality over quantity um, I would rather pay more for something that is higher quality then pay less money for something that's not as higher quality and that maybe breaks or doesn't work in another year or two years or three years. Like, I mean, if you take care of these scopes and these optics, they'll last you a lifetime. Um, that's what they're meant to do. Um, so, yeah, if you could save up and, and spend that extra money and get a really nice quality item, I guarantee you you're not going to regret it. Um... So yeah, that's kind of kind of why I chose the the optics that I did, um, and yeah, so that's kind of my optics setup. Um, yeah, I don't have two of of everything, or I just have I just have one of everything, I guess. Um, but yeah and then uh the scope that came with my muzzle loader was was already on there when when yeah it came with it i think it's a tradition scope but it's just a four to ten by 
by uh, like 40 or meter or something like that. Uh, excuse me, but um, I'm recording this late at night because I've been really, really busy. <laughs> so yeah, that's a uh, that's my, so. Uh, 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 forgive me if I uh, lose track of, of what I'm talking about here, um, but that's that's my optic setup. Um, yeah. So and then I I said at the beginning that I want to talk about trail cams too. So trail cams are an interesting topic, um, especially right now, especially out here in the western states. Um, trail cameras are uh, starting to be looked at being banned. Um, Arizona banned trail cameras, I believe. I know Utah, here in Utah, we just passed a, a trail camera ban, but it's really, really fuzzy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go over it and kind of talk about it and how I feel about that kind of stuff. Um but yeah, so with uh with trail cams out here in out here in the west. Um, it's a little different than using them back east or in the Midwest. Um, in the Midwest, they're going to be um, mainly in uh, areas that are kind of on private property or, you know, around family farms and stuff. Because out in the Midwest, there's not a whole, like, I don't think there's a ton of public land, like, not as much public land, like, um, as out here is in the western states. There's still public land, obviously, but there's not a whole lot. So I think the main place you're going to be seeing people use trail cameras is uh, like private private property or you know family family farms and stuff like that. And um, you know you're you're gonna um, you're gonna see people using it there. And they have trail cameras where you know you can get a picture instantly sent to your phone from that camera, like that exact moment a deer walks by or something. You know you you have those. Um, they're expensive, but they're out there. Um, but especially in these western states, that's what the problem was and where it starts to arise, is because these animals, you know, they um, they have to compete with us and um, compete with, I, I guess not compete, but um, we are using our technological advances to our um, to our benefit. And uh, it may cross the line um, of fair chase and not fair chase. So, because if you and your buddy are out on the side of a mountain and you're less than a mile away from you where you know one of your trail cameras is, and all of a sudden you get a picture of this giant bull elk on one of your trail cameras, you could say, oh, he's over there, let's go and be there in, you know, 20 or 30 minutes. And still be in the area that the bull is. Um, but so Western states don't really like that. Um, they don't think it's fair chase. Um, and so what Utah did, um, I don't know about Arizona or the other states, I'm only familiar with Utah. But what Utah did is that they banned trail cameras during the use of, of hunting season at all. Um, not at all, but only if you're hunting. So you can still put them up if you have a concern about, you know, your your property, being somebody on your property, um, you know, animals tearing up your property. Um, but you cannot use them for hunting purposes. 
and it gets kind of into a, a cloudy area or gray area when it's like, okay, well, I just want to set up a trail camera around my camp um, that I'm not going to be at for the next two weeks because I'm going to wait to go hunting just to make sure that nobody steals my stuff. It's like, okay, are you setting it up to make sure that nobody steals your stuff or are you setting it up so that you can see what animals are in the area? It's like, you know, it's it's a really gray area and you have a hard time um, it, keeping people adhering to the laws and actually punishing people for, for doing something wrong. Um, so there needs to be some change in that for sure. Um, I have used trail cameras in Minnesota. I have used them with my cousins up there when uh, we put some up in the summertime and then I, I came back and uh, when I killed my whitetail, um, we were looking at trail camera pictures and everything like that. Um, they're really useful up there where everything is so thick and there's only a few clear areas and you've cleared out specifically for like a food plot or for, you know, to put up a trail camera. Um, so I believe that they're beneficial there and I believe that, you know, they're, they're fine there. Um, and I know it's kind of like a, a catch-22, but, it, you know, out here, um, you have more open ground and more ability to hike through the woods and be sneaky um, and get to that trail camera where your spot is. Um, whereas in Minnesota, at least for me, in Minnesota, the northern Minnesota, it's really thick with woods and it's uh it's hard to to be able to to get from one area to another from one stand to another without necessarily making a whole bunch of noise um it you can do it it just takes a lot longer um but yeah so they banned trail cameras for hunting here during the hunting seasons you can use them after december 31st i think um, and then you can't use them starting like June 1st or July 31st or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's like, but it's such a weird rule that it's like, well, you should either ban all of them or just ban none of them. And, um, yeah. So I, I'm in the favor of, of just banning them. Like, I don't think that we need them. Um. You know, hunting is, is supposed to be something where you immerse yourself um, in the wilderness and test yourself and your skills to try and find those animals and to actually take an animal. Um, I don't think you should be able to use a computer or camera with a system inside of it that, uh, excuse me, that allows... A picture to be sent via satellite imagery or not satellite imagery god um <laughs> i promise i know technology uh i my original major idea was was computer science so i promise i know technology um but when you can get a picture instantly from your phone because of a camera that has satellite internet um attached to it that's a little unfair i believe um, and when guides and outfitters are, are buying pictures from people, um, for thousands of dollars and, you know, GPS coordinates and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, when, when, you know, that like that to me, that's cheating. Like, it's like, 
it's like okay you guys are paying all this money to get pictures of these bulls on camera and it's mainly elk is is was the issue um and it's like okay you guys are paying all this money to be able to see these elk on these pictures and get the gps coordinates so you know which area they're in and it's like how can you call yourself selves real guides like it's, it's like guides are supposed to know the land that they're hunting they're supposed to know where the animals are they're not supposed to buy pictures from people and and then just take their rich clients over there to kill a bull it's not sportsmanship that's it's just freaking market hunting pretty much like it's like oh here i'm gonna pay you thousands of dollars take me to this specific spot like take me to your specific spot so i can pull the trigger and kill a bull like that's like as a hunter that's shameful and as a outfitter that's wrong like i mean if you have somebody who wants to come to pay you for you know thousands of dollars to get a real hunting experience like give them that then you have then you run the risk of you know not getting an animal that's how hunting goes that you have these people that come into our state they pay thousands of dollars for the tag for the guide service and then you know they expect guides to put them on um these big animals and to kill a trophy bull and it's like that's not always going to happen but then that's where that guides and outfitters are are pushed to buy these pictures from these people of these giant bulls and the gps coordinates so it's not all the outfitters fault and I understand what the outfitters are doing and why they're doing it, maybe, if that's the reason behind it. But I think if you're coming into a state with really good elk hunting and you're paying somebody thousands upon thousands of dollars to just put you on an animal and not, like, just for the experience of it, like, yeah, I understand. You want to come in and you want to, to harvest an animal for the meat or for the rack or whatever. Um like whatever your whatever your motive is like i understand if you want to come in and, and pay thousands of dollars and and have a easy hunting experience but that's the point is hunting isn't supposed to be easy like it's supposed to be hard you're supposed to work for it and the payoff is supposed to be more reward than you ever thought possible like that's exactly how i felt with my first deer and it's like not getting something and not killing something is the majority of hunting it seems like um like unless you have weeks upon weeks to spend out in the field and a bunch of money to spend on gear and you know um food and gas and ev like transportation to get where you're going and you know if you have a four-wheeler or a side-by-side -side or a camper trailer or anything like that like you know, just to help enhance that, like, it's, it's, um, it, for your average weekend hunter, um, and for your average, for your average working citizen, for, for your average person that's only going to be able to hunt on weekends or maybe take, like, a week off and go hunting, like, it's, like, the success rate for that might not be as high um and i think that that's something that is severely overlooked within 
the hunting community, especially in this day and age, especially in the day and age um, of all these TV shows and YouTube shows and everything where it's like, oh yeah, look at this big buck we killed. We only kill big bucks or look, we're going to Alaska. Like we, you know, we're killing these big animals in Alaska. Like that's awesome. That is awesome. Like, I mean, that trip of a lifetime. I would love to do that. I'm not knocking that. I'm not knocking hunting in any way. I'm not knocking people who hunt in any way. I'm just saying there's a certain amount of uh, injustice that stems from these TV shows um, showing these lavish hunts on high-fenced ranches or private land and then giving people these expectations of saying, of like, oh yeah, there's a shit ton of animals out there, when sometimes in reality there isn't, um, and it takes more work and um, effort to be able to harvest one of these animals. Um, so I know that that's I know that that's a big tangent and big rant, um, but I think it's one of those things that's not necessarily talked about enough, and that's what I would kind of like to. That's what I'm trying to do. Is I'm trying to trying to show that um, you know hunting isn't just about success. It's not just about um, going out and killing a, a a trophy animal, or you know it, it's just it's just getting out. It's just getting out. It's it's about getting out and getting out into the woods and experiencing something that your ancestors experienced and um, partaking in an activity that has been um, partaken in for the last for thousands of years before us um, it's an ancient tradition and um, it's it's a special tradition that i think many people take for granted um, so I, I think that um, in this day and age that hunting may have been, it, it's, it might be glorified and um, sort of had a um, renaissance period in the last 10 years. I'm part of that renaissance period. I just started hunting a couple years ago. And I mean, all the experiences I've had, like everything that I'm telling you on this podcast, like I... I, I just learned myself, or I learned from other people, and it's all my it's all my experiences firsthand. Um, so, um, I just think in this day and age that the shift from um, taking these large animals and these trophy animals um, and only, you know, um, I think it. I think there needs to be a dynamic shift from not necessarily taking these giant animals um, and that and not just worrying about taking these giant animals but also um, also appreciating the land and the value that the land has um, itself before before anything else um, so after that rant um, Going back to um, going back to the whole trail camera thing, um, I, so I believe that Utah ultimately banned it because 
you know, people were using these high sophisticated trail cameras to to capture high resolution images of these animals and um, not necessarily giving the animals fair chase and a fair chance. Um, the way that they worded the bill um, and the way that they worded the the rules and the law is um, is really really sketchy. Um, not sketchy, but really, it's just a really big gray. It's one giant gray area, because it's like, oh well, I'm, I'm just putting this trail camera up to watch my stuff so that nobody steals it, or oh, I'm just blah 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 blah, or I'm just, you know, it's like, it's like people are gonna say whatever they can to, to get out of, um, getting in trouble and getting a ticket and getting written up, um. So trail cameras, I think they're good in the right applications, in the right areas, and other places I don't think we need them. Um, like out west here, I don't think we need them. Uh, you want to put it on private property, go right ahead. It's your private property, you do with it what you want. Um, but I, I believe that when you're on public property, you should, you should not be able to use trail cameras at all. Um, that's how I feel about it. I was in favor of the bill. Um, but now now they're talking about taking binoculars and stuff away and magnifying scopes and that's not that's not good that's not okay that's crossing a line um and we can get into the technological aspect of about about it all you guys want um but my binoculars don't have the ability to send me a picture instantaneously from 5 or 600 miles away i have to be physically there and using my binoculars to um, to be able to use them correctly and efficiently. So anyway, um, I believe that that's going to conclude this episode. Um, so thank you if you've made it this far. Thanks for sticking with my rant um, and, and uh, listening to me rant about optics and trail cameras and, um, you know, where hunting's kind of gone in the last 10 or even 20 years um and yeah so i all i want to do with this podcast is is show some of the reality behind hunting and you know like it's it's not all rainbows and sunshine it's a lot of hard work for sometimes very little payoff but when the payoff does come it is more um rewarding than most things in life um so anyway thank you guys for listening um if you have comments questions or concerns or you want to talk about you know what i talked about in this podcast shoot me an email at a hunter's journey podcast at gmail.com that's a hunter's journey podcast at gmail.com all that you know the the email the instagram links are going to be in the show notes so go ahead and check those out um and i'm, I'm working on a little something here um hopefully I can get it up in the next uh, month or, or so. I don't know. I'm going to be hunting for the next three weekends or so. Um, I'm just going up on the weekends this year. That's all I'm able to do. I got a new job um, and with school and everything. So um, unfortunately, I'm going to be a weekend hunter this year. <laughs> um, hopefully that will change next year. But um, for right now, I'm a weekend hunter. I got four tags that I'm going to try and fill. I got a mule deer tag, a elk tag, a black bear tag, and a cougar tag. So. Two of those 